Good day, mate. Yes. Okay. Brother John Wall, you open us the word of prayer. Today's lesson, lesson 30, this is a review. You know, there was no new memory verse for today. Uh, if any of you get too cold, you can stand up and flap your arms, get your blood moving. I know I gave Nancy a blanket. Okay, but we're glad you're here this morning again. This is a review of the book of Genesis. And basically, you need to understand, Genesis is a book of beginnings. It's a book of beginnings. Everything you want to think about, everything, every theme that you find running through the Bible started in that book. And basically, one thing, it shows us that God's more, as I mentioned it on Wednesday night when I preached, God's more concerned with people than he is with things or position or even kingdoms. God speaks more about people in the book of Genesis than he does in the act of creation. Amen? I want you to see with that because we live in a day and age where people are denying God on a greater and greater level. There are people who claim to be Christians, aren't they? They believe in theistic evolution, which is a lie. Okay, the truth of the matter is with that, you know, I'm going to give you, this is facetious, okay? This is sarcastic because I read this to you. But it says, billions of years ago, there was nothing except a little blob, a hot air or gas. Some say it was the size of a softball, and others say it was the size of a grain of sand. That is being taught as science. Where did it come from? How did it get here? No one has discovered that yet. One day, when all was well, there was some kind of outside force that caused the little blob to explode. Poof! Some believe it went bang. The dust and the gas from this explosion caused the stars and the galaxies to form. Who or what caused all this has not been discovered. In the beginning, blob created the heaven and the earth. The star, one star began to crumble and throw off flyaway pieces that then began to circle around it as it cooled off. One of these pieces was earth. Somehow water came onto the earth and the oceans were formed. There were lots of chemicals in the water. Atoms then came together to form molecules. These molecules formed with other molecules and life appeared. It was supernatural life from non-life. If you study Okay, what you're going to find out, this is, they try to say, is the beginning of evolution. Is this being sarcastic? That's what they do when they do when we talk about creation. Okay? These molecules formed with other molecules and life appeared. It was supernatural life from non-life. This has never been demonstrated, repeated, or observed. But, what, but that's where faith comes from. See, because when someone tells you creation is not scientific, it's because... Science is based on something that you can repeat in a laboratory. 
Science is something you can be observed again and again and again to be scientific. You cannot observe creation. Why? It took place one time. You can't observe evolution because it never took place. Where are the missing links? I, you know, my wife would tell you that I'm one of them. Okay? Between apes and man. There's, there would still be, if evolution is taking place and we came from lower life forms, why aren't those lower life forms still evolving into us? When I was taught evolution, I was taught that the scales on a fish, suddenly the fish decided to go up on dry land and those fish became feathers. That's the background. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And this is what, and then we have young people today who have no belief in God because they're being taught there is no God. And there's no one you answer to. There was just a random chance that this would happen. No one was responsible for this phenomenon. It just at the right time, millions of chemicals actually join, accidentally joined together and formed skin around these chemicals. It then turned into a living creature. It began to reproduce itself over and over again. The cells became more and more complex. They got better and better and stronger and stronger. All different kinds of life began to form and slowly transform themselves into new species. The old species died off and the new ones survived because they were more fit. We still don't know why many of the older, weaker species are around today. Bugs evolved into all types of insects. The insects turned into frogs. The frogs turned into lizards. The lizards turned into squirrels. The squirrels turned into monkeys. The monkeys turned into you. Billions of years of mistakes, random confusion, mutations, and mishaps form man. Some may wonder why we can't observe or prove this theory. Well, it happens so slowly it's hard to see. The evidence is all around us. Missing links are everywhere. I'm being facetious, right? Don't you know that's the way evolutionists talk to people who believe in creation? You know what it takes for both of them? It takes faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Genesis tells where, where we began. I'd much rather believe my Bible than even scientists, falsely so-called, according to the Bible, who can't even agree on the origins. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. It said it's a book of beginnings. If you're visiting today, I'm not always this... Facetious. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 1, here's the answer. In the beginning, God. How do we expect people to come to Christ when he's God manifest in the flesh when we deny that he is the creator? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I just read you four verses. In those four verses, you find the Godhead. God spoke. That's the living word of God. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the beginning, God 
Okay, so you have the Godhead there. God is behind creation. If you believe God's word, if you don't believe in the first chapter, what makes you think when you get to the 40th book and someone's introduced to you as the Son of God and as the Savior of all mankind when they're willing to turn to him, why would you believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John if you've rejected Genesis? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith... This is what you have to have. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Okay, so you have the beginning of the book. Okay, there's some different ideals people have about creation. I believe in a literal creation. I have other beliefs in the book of Genesis in the first few verses. That's not the important point right now. There has to be a beginning. And God is I am. That means I've always been and I always will be. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. He's outside of time. It takes faith to believe the Bible. And if you're saved, we go, it just makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense to an unsaved person because they're not sure there's God. I ask you, what in the theory of evolution truly makes sense by what you can observe around you? Don't ever lose sight of that. You do not have to be arrogant to deal with people who believe in evolution. You don't have to be facetious, okay, unless they are with you. You don't have to be argumentative. One thing, when we reach people with the gospel is when we have more grace than they do. One thing I realize, and you learn over and over again, if you're in the right place, you have the right position, and your heart's right with God, you can have confidence. And so then you can have grace with other people. You don't have to back up on what you believe, but you don't have to let it get you angry and upset and get an aggressive tone dealing with them. You still with me? This is the beginning. That takes you from Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 2-3. You get there. In Genesis chapter 2, and it says, And God blessed, verse 3, the seventh day, and sanctified it, because that it was held in it that he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. From Genesis 2, verse 8, to Genesis 3, 24, we find the fall of man. He said, we're just going to do an overview. This is a, this is a review of the book of Genesis. You find the fall of man. Man was given a free will to obey. Right? I like this. People say, well, I can't obey all those laws. Well, you know what's shown? 
We can't obey one if we really have a choice and we want to do something different, right? Adam and Eve was, were given what? One rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. One rule. They didn't keep it. They were, giving a, they were given a free will choice, and they didn't keep it. So they could either obey God and have the blessing of the Garden of Eden, or they could sin against God. And they were innocent enough, they didn't understand. So Satan did what? Genesis chapter 3, he influenced them. He got them to question God. When your child is developing and they get past the point where they, you know, they don't have, they're not sentient, they're not in the place where they can form their thoughts and bring them out and, and talk to you about what they're, what's going on in their head, one of the first words that kids learn to use over and over and over and over and over and over and over again is W-H-Y. Right? Because they're trying to understand. And you know what happens? Either you'll help them understand and point them to God, or someone else will point them to something else. Right? In America, we've abrogated our responsibility for training our children to the public school system. Do I say that system is totally corrupt? No. What they teach, they're being forced to. You have to overcome that. If you don't want them to learn certain things, then you take the responsibility to teach them what you believe is true. Amen? Otherwise, they've got to overcome it because so many young people, they find out when they ask their mom and dad and they don't get an answer why. You know what the answer to a little kid about why is? This is Parenting 101. I told you so. Because they're not ready, they don't have the understanding to comprehend the cost of what was going to take place. Do you really? Adam and Eve were innocent enough They'd only been with God in the garden and then God's creation. And someone got them to question God's rules. That continues today, always around us, doesn't it? They're going to question God's rules. Well, I think, well, I believe. I remember thinking my father was not very smart when I was a teenager. And then I realized when I got in my 20s, my father was a lot smarter than me. So what happened? As a result of Adam and Eve's sin, they first died spiritually. Their connection, direct connection to be able to walk with God in the cool of the evening was removed. And later they died physically. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Verse 12, wherefore, as by one man, 
sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that what? All have sinned. Now, if you've been saved any length of time, if you're trying to witness to other people, you ought to know the next verse I'm going to give you, and that's Romans 6.23. For the what? The wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Adam and Eve sinned. That sin passed upon. It's not original sin like I was taught in the Roman Catholic Church. I don't have that. I don't have Adam's sin upon me because you know what God's word also teaches? You will answer for your own sin. Now the nature that it came from came from fallen Adam. Before that, he was innocent, didn't have an understanding of it. Because you know what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7? I was alive without the law once, but the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. So you have sin coming in as far as men, you know, and what do they do? If you go to Genesis chapter 3, said, we're gonna, I won't tarry too long, but again, this is a book of beginnings, and you want to see how stuff starts with people and their attitudes with one another. They start this way. Genesis 3 and verse 7. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You know what they're trying to do? They were trying to cover up all of a sudden what they recognized was carnal knowledge. They were innocent before that. So what did they do? They tried to do what they could to cover up their sin. Does that sound familiar to you? I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and I'm going, you are my worst problem. Because the will to sin is present with me. They tried to cover it up. They couldn't. So what did God have to do for that? Verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3. Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. That is the first blood sacrifice for a covering of sin. And what are we taught in the scriptures? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. You see, Genesis is the book of beginnings. You can see it and it shows you, it teaches you that right there. Okay? By God's grace, he provided a covering for their sin. This takes us to Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to look at the flood. Which is funny that they say there was no such thing as a worldwide flood. But in ancient civilizations, it's all part of their oral history being passed down. I've been down into Mexico. 
I haven't gone farther into South America. I've had an invite. My wife, she went to Brazil. South America, North American Indians, those make a difference. I've been to Ireland. I've been to India. I've been to New Zealand. I went on missions trips. Do you know what they all have in their oral history? The belief of a universal flood. But they try to deny it. They try to deny it. You know, it took billions of years for the Grand Canyon to form until Mount St. Helens blew. And on a smaller scale, the same thing happened. Be careful what you let the world try to get you to compromise on. Man had become exceedingly w w wicked. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Look at verse 11. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. We're coming back to Genesis, so keep your finger there. Why? Man's free will, he chose to sin. When sin is not judged, when you make excuses for sin, when you don't repent and turn away from sin, it takes you farther into it. You hear all the time from us, if you're saved, keep a short account with God. I have to ask God to forgive me daily. I have to. Because I know in me, and it doesn't take long. If I'm having to do something, I'm very, let's get it done. Okay, and it can be aggressive. I want you to understand, in verse 9 of Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above what? And what? Desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In Genesis 6, it ought to be one of your favorite verses in the Bible. Is verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he find it? Because it's grace. It is unmerited favor. No one deserves to be saved because all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. He found grace. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you have this, and so when they turn around, sin comes through. He couldn't save himself. God makes a provision for them. 
the shedding of blood, he becomes exceedingly sinful. Noah was an exception. He found grace. He and his family were protected by the ark. I've watched the National Geographic special. They found supposedly the place where the ark is or parts of the ark. Your Bible is not a science textbook, but where it speaks about science, it is 100% correct. It's not necessarily a history book of the whole world because it doesn't give events all over. It's very directed through people and a direction. Adam, Abraham, Israel, Moses, David. You understand what I'm saying to you? But where it speaks about history, it's never been proven wrong. Man couldn't save himself. God had to provide again. He tells Noah to build the ark. There was only one way to be saved from God's judgment. God had Noah preach for 100 years while he was building the ark. And people rejected it because they hadn't seen what was going to come. Oh, you think it's going to rain? We've never seen rain. You're a fool. Rain came. It's been calculated that. It rained so hard that if a person looked up, they could drown by the level of the water that was God opened the skies from. And only a few were saved. Stay in Genesis, go to Matthew chapter 7. I'll read verse 13, but it's not the one I want. Okay, it says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to what? And many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there are, few there be that. You narrow-minded Christians, you think the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's God's choice, not mine. Every other choice you find is man's choice trying to deny God's choice. And that's, you can't get away from it. That's what happens with it. So only a few were saved. And we see people saved every day. But when you think from the time I first trip, I went to India in 2005 for Brother Paul. The little city, he called a little city at that time, was two million people, his home city. Little city, Vishaka Putman. Don't ask me how to spell that. I can barely pronounce it, Vishaka Putman. By the last time that Pastor Kenny and I went over, and I made one trip after that, because I went over with the Thomases and others, Vishaka Putman's population was almost four million. 
and the population of India was passing the population of China. So when you think of the number of people who are truly born again, there was the way because they refused to accept the truth of what God said. Know what the, the ark symbolized? Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Takes us to Genesis 11. Preacher's never going to make it. Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. You know what the key you find? You know, the devil's not what condemns you to hell. He just makes it easier for you to rebel against the one who can save you. Genesis chapter 11. The whole earth was with one language and of one speech. Boy, that had been a lot easier, huh? And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. You know what the problem was? Pride. Do you know what TikTok is about? It's one of the most popular platforms. Kids are getting killed by doing TikTok stunts. It's, they want their, what is it called? Their 10 seconds of fame. It's pride. It's a pride. It's a pride issue. It's been a pride issue. Know ye not, this is what the serpent said, that the day you eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So they had a pride issue. The people rebelled against God's command because in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, when God created mankind, and I'm not going to dwell on why this is important right now, but in verse 28, God said, God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and what? Replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now go to Genesis chapter 9. Noah gets out of the boat. Okay. Verse 1, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be what? And replenish the earth. That's what God's command was. Replenish the earth. They rebelled against it and instead of judging them with another flood, and this is what a rainbow is supposed to picture. God's blessing that he won't use that type of judgment again. Not what it's made for today as an excuse and a representation of a sinful act. Okay? It says, there when you look at it, God confused their language. Verses 7 and 8. 
of Genesis 11. Let us go down and confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. They were trying to reach unto God instead of letting God reach to them. Now all the different languages developed. They were trying to work their way to heaven. Did it work? See, you can't. This brings us to Abraham. Do you know what the term monotheism means? It means the worship of one God. India worships 3,300,000 different gods. That's their count. If it crawls on the ground, if it flies in the air, if it slides along the dirt, if it's got horns. I always thought it was funny. They worship a cow, they worship an ox, but they don't worship the lamb. They can eat that. But they worship snakes. I preached in a village dedicated to the cobra god. I walked on a cobra mound. Saw of a church of 100 people in a village of about 3,000. And they worship the serpents. They worship so many things. That's monothe monotheism is the worship of one God. Polytheism is multiple gods. Abraham calls, or God calls Abraham to be the father of the nation Israel, which would preserve the truths of God. So you find that, again, Genesis chapter 12, what do you have? Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. This has never changed. You've got to support Israel. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He called Abraham, Abram at that time, to be the father of the nation Israel, which would preserve the truths of God. We have this. The 39 books of the Old Testament were kept for us by God's chosen people. It's the Masoretic text of the Old Testament. That's where it comes from. It's Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic. Sprinkled into it. If you don't know what that is, ask our pastor. Okay? Now I want you to look at Romans. We're coming back. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Apostle Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's talking the Israelites. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the what? The promises. See where it came from? Whose are fathers, and of whom, as concerning flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God blessed, be blessed forever and ever. Okay, go back just uh, to Romans chapter 3. 
Verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because what? Unto them were committed the oracles of God. There's other verses supporting that. We would not have our Bible if it would not for Israel. So they were given to preserve the word of God. To prepare the way for Christ's coming. Abraham was not a Jew. He became one. He was a Gentile who became the first Hebrew. God called him out. He called him to be special. His name, Abram, meant exalted father. God changed his name to Abraham. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. And it says, when Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, that's where his salvation was found. Because God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and as the sand of the sea. Okay, his name was changed to Abraham, which is the father of a multitude. God promised Abraham he would have a very special son. Abraham and Sarah had to wait a long time. And what's one thing that we don't do well? Wait a long time. He told them it would be a long time for it to happen. Because God was teaching them how to believe in him and to be patient. Genesis, quickly, Genesis 18. Say, so how can it happen? We had a family visit here that came, uh, with, was friends of one of the, uh, the church members. They've been trying for over 10 years to have a baby, couldn't have a baby. I told them I would pray about it, had other people praying for them, that would happen. Then they told us we can't have a baby. And I said, drink the water. I said, babies happen all the time here. Now, do I believe there's something in the water? No. But I had to get the person to relax. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Verse 13 of Genesis 18. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have surety bear a child which am old? Look at verse 14. Is there anything what? With God, all things are possible. When it doesn't go the way I want it to when I pray to him, that means God's saying no to that so he can say yes to something else. They were promised a baby. Did they get it? <laughs> I don't want to be 99 years old and have a son. I'm just being honest with you. Okay. All I know, she must have been something special. She had a baby at 90. Okay, that takes us to Isaac. Isaac was the promised son of Abraham. Isaac married Rebekah. They had Esau and Jacob. Abraham's faith was finally truly tested in Genesis 22 because God asked him to offer up his Isaac, the son of his blessing. 
What I like there in Genesis 22, which you need to remember because you've got to see things get spoken of and it gets going to come back around. I want you to look at, let me see here, verse 8. You know what Abraham had learned? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. He learned God will provide himself a lamb for the offering. That takes us to Genesis 25 when we're going to learn about Jacob. Look at Genesis 25 and verse 23. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and the two and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the who? So God gave a promise, right? To Rebecca, that the younger son would serve the elder. Who came out first? Esau. Then Jacob. But you know what Jacob couldn't do, like we saw before? We have a problem waiting on God. So we have Jacob, the problem waiting on God. Right? Genesis 25, verse 31. Let's go to verse 29. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee. With that red, same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. What did Jacob take into his own hands? See? And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. He really wasn't, but he thought he was. In what profit this shall this birthright do to me? One lesson. If you're waiting on God, don't take it in your own hands. Wait on God. Second lesson. Don't sacrifice your future on the altar of the immediate. Okay? Because that's what Esau did. So we find him. You know what he ended up having to do? Genesis 27, verse 19. And Jacob said unto his father, unto who? Isaac. I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, and sit and eat my venison, that thy soul may bless me. He lied to his father with his mother's support. Jacob's name means supplanter. Israel, the name means a prince with God or ruling with God. Okay? And that's who he became. He had a great dream in Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it, upon, on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. So he has a great dream. He has a very interesting father-in-law who is as much a manipulator as he is. You find that in Genesis 29 through 31. He had a wrestling match 
And he named the place Peniel. Why? Because he spent the night wrestling with God. Eventually, Jacob and his brother Esau reconciled. You find that in Genesis 33. The last thing we studied, I'm trying to finish this, is Joseph. In chapters 37 through 50, we learned of Joseph. He was the son of Jacob and Rachel. Go to Genesis 30 and verse 25. I got the right No. He was the son of Jacob and Rachel. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go into mine own place, into mine own country. He finally got a child from Rachel. Isn't that interesting? He was the one beloved of his father. He was loved more than the other. Genesis 37. Now, verse 3, Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Joseph is, I told you before, is the greatest Old Testament type or picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the most beloved of his father. His journey began with a dream. It ended with the salvation of his people. In between, Joseph had to be prepared for elevation as a ruler who could rule with God. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Okay? Hebrews 4, I think it's verse 14. You say, why do I say that? Because Joseph was prepared by suffering, service, and learning self-control. He ends up being the savior of his family. He ends up forgiving his brethren. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and providing a dwelling place for them in the best of the land. He's the type of Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many, and I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, ye may be also. Jacob, or Joseph is a picture of our Savior. Conclusion. God is a created, faithful, holy, just Merciful, graceful, loving, and very patient. Man can be evil, unfaithful, disobedient, sinful, rebellious, unthankful, and very impatient. Although the human race was tainted by sin, God continued to seek after man to reveal himself. And all God's people said... Amen. Fielder. <laughs>